All right, you know what? I don't want to get into some nasty fight. So can we please talk to each other the way the therapist told us to talk to each other? Fine. Fine. It makes me feel sad when you are dishonest. I understand it makes you feel bad when I am dishonest with you. It hurts my feelings when you treat me with contempt and corner me and try and trick me into lying. Okay. It makes me sad when it's so easy to trick you into lying because you're such a lying shitbag. That's not, you can't do that. You can't do that. The therapist said you're not allowed to judge me. That's not a judgment, that's just a fact. Fair enough. Sometimes I withhold truth, that is true. But it's only because I'm scared to death of your crazy-ass, illogical overreactions. Well, it hurts me inside and triggers me when you're such a dishonest shit that you're lending your father money without telling me while your record company's going bankrupt and we're on the verge of losing our fucking house! What else are you lying about? I've taken Viagra for two years. I ate six muffins downstairs a while ago and my cholesterol level is 305. My heart could explode at any second. These might be my very last words. Oh, and I gave Charlotte antibiotics when you weren't looking. That's why her ear got better. So go fuck your witch doctor. What are we even doing? What are we doing? This is not making me happy. You're not happy. You don't like me. I can feel that. I'm not blind. Jesus. We're like business associates. We're like brother and sister. There's no passion there. We're not like brother and sister. You know, we're like, we're like Simon and Garfunkel. And somehow you turned me into Garfunkel. I don't even know what that means. Art Garfunkel. What's wrong with Art Garfunkel? He has a beautiful voice. He's got an amazing voice. He could put a harmony to anything. But what I'm saying is that you turned me into him. What the hell are you talking about? What? Simon controls him. That's because Simon writes the fucking songs. He's the better one. Episode of the Cinema Nine Podcast. Some people dread it. Some people love it. It depends how you feel and what your mental perspective is. Either way, we welcome all of you. Thank you for joining us, Michael Govier, Travis Roy, 
Eric Branstrom and his wonderful, wonderful child, of course. Uh, it's Cinema 9. We're doing Does It Hold Up? Travis chose This Is 40, the very first Judd Apatow movie. We will get to that later on. But first, Travis Roy, how you been? How's society treating you? Society's, society's treating me well. You know you're in for a good podcast society. when the host kicks things off by saying, some people dread listening to our show. <laughs> <laughs> Some people I've dread a, doing it. Yeah. So. Some, people, some people dread doing it. Um, no, uh, no finger pointing. But I think it's really suitable that last week we had uh, traffic issues when we did License to Drive. And yeah. today we're, we're joined by young Fawn. Make a noise, Fawn. You make a noise? <laughs> She's not making noises. But if you're watching, you can see Eric's adorable baby. That's Fawn. interesting. Yeah, Maybe we really, we really are just like diehards for the uh theme of a movie we, really, we go all up i dread what we pick what's what's picked for us next week because who knows what we'll be doing yeah yeah if we get a, we need a murder movie and we need to incorporate murder yeah we'll kill each other on the on live on the air didn't on we live. kill that guy in a dead presidents we murdered a man <laughs> we got that covered oh yeah i forgot, yeah, I forgot about, about that. that that was a good show what's going on eric how's society treating you dude i'm feeling good and i'll tell you why i'm i've hit the halfway mark on my Weight loss journey. Talk about this at 40. I'm on a weight loss journey and I've hit the halfway mark and uh, pretty excited. Like I I worked really hard and, uh, and I'm halfway there and, you know, small things. Small Good for you, brother. That's great. You know, still it's really, the little still things. really big though. I, like I looked at the chart for like my ideal weight. I'm like, was this made like when like before like potatoes came from like Europe and like people were just like 140 pounds? Like what the fuck is going on? Yeah, if you're talking about weight? the... If you're talking about the BMI thing, that's that, that's exposed as a fucking hoax, man. Like everybody's body is so different. Okay. Like for me to get to the um the absolute top end of the body weight for my size, which I'm a large man, but like when I was in my twenties, I got down to it and I had to literally fucking starve myself and I was still quote unquote overweight overweight. The watermelon eating, days. Yeah, right? I was eating like fifteen hundred calories a day. Watermelon? It was insane. Yeah, I lived on watermelon for like oh my he God. did. When we lived in the apartment in 09, yeah. it was just well, it's all he ate was watermelon. It was watermelon weird because now he just eats whatever the fuck he wants. Oh, yeah. I'm, I've completely given up. <laughs> it's just like in this movie we're going to talk about later. Wouldn't you rather me be happy for a less amount of years? That's the conclusion I came to. That, um, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, oh, I don't know what you guys were just talking about, but I well, had a problem. I wasn't listening either. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, uh, I don't even know what I brought up. Sunday, Sunday on the first day pod that I do. Did you listen to that, Eric? Because we had a, 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 it was weird. She used to be my, she used to be my step niece, uh, and I knew her in the '90s when I, my dad, my stepdad Steve DiBiase Cook was married to my mom in the '90s. Uh, I knew her, and uh, somehow I've kept in touch with her online, and we had her on the show, so it was weird. She's like 30 now, and uh, she talked all about what you just talked about. Wow! About how they've exposed that. Your weight is not indicative of your health, and it's all bullshit. So uh, there's a lot of good stuff on that. If you guys are interested in that conversation, check out the First Day Pod. Um, but, you know, this is a movie podcast, and we are focused on movies. We got some emails, so I thought I'd start with the emails first. We kind of skip them sometimes and get to them later in the show. So let's open with this one from Aaron Worley. He says, hey, you dudes ever figure out what the fuck that video store next to Roger's Rack was named? Oh, yes. We didn't talk about that on the air. I, I, I sent uh, messages to you. I went on like this uh, Heartland. <laughs> uh, Happy Steve birthday, Steve Laskowski. Time to the show. Happy birthday, there Steve Laskowski. Yeah, man. Much love to Stephen Floyd. Yeah. Right. 
Couldn't think of a better man. I could not think. We love you, Steve. You're the there, best. There are no better men. No, there hands are not. Down, hands down. I'm not even joking. Favorite person ever. No, I'm not either. I know you're not. Um, so uh, it turns out that it was Movie Land, uh, but it also was, oh, shit. Uh, Heartland I, Video. Heartland Video. So it went through two different names, which is partly why we couldn't remember it. And also one of the names, like it moved locations. So we kind of were confused because it had the same name in two different places. So Heartland Video, not to be confused with Heartland Village Movie Market Pizza, which was another local joint, which is the best name for a place ever because it's really descriptive. Very minimal selection there, though. Oh, yeah. But that is where I rented Rat Boy, for the record. To bring that Rat Boy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Steve. We love you. You're we ridiculous. You, like, you don't know that. Get the hell out of here. Come on. <laughs> uh, or there it is, Aaron. So we closed the book on that one. And then we had Aaron Kruger pop in with this fun one, which uh, Eric shared with me on the text thread. It says, hypothetical scenario. You are restricted to watching movies that must contain the same actor or actress in every film. Yeah. What do you go with? Example being, you choose Schwarzenegger, you get all the Schwarzenegger movies. Ah, uh, okay. So is Aaron saying that like he's in every single movie you watch or you just have access to only that person's complete filmography? I think you have only access to that person's filmography. Okay. Was, was, was out he's, based on his isn't that the example. Same thing? He's got to be well, in every movie. Well, no, it's not the same thing. It's like if you're talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger, there is a finite specific amount of movies that he's actually filmed. So you could watch those as opposed to like, you can watch any movie except for they all star Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So I hope you like Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Darcy. Hope you like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right. you know, yeah. and whatever the fuck. Oh, I, yeah, that yeah. was I assumed it meant very clearly you could only watch movies that the person had been in. Okay, okay that, yeah, that's that's the assumption. All right. Yeah. I've yeah. got my choice. Uh, Do you have yours, Eric? This is no contest for me. Mike, do you know yours? I'm more debatable, so you guys seem more locked in. Go ahead, Eric. Right, go ahead, Eric. I'll say Tom Hanks. I mean, if a dude can make you laugh your ass off and then be super powerful and make you cry in, 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 in his movies, that, that variety is enough for me. Like, uh, yeah, that's no contest. Second, if I'm allowed to, probably maybe Denzel Washington, but I'd have to say Tom Hanks would be number one. Nice. Respectable. Um, sometimes I feel we, it's been a while since we brought her up and this woman up on the show, but sometimes I feel like we're for better or worse subjected to Judy Greer in every movie anyway. So it kind of <laughs> feels like that. Um, but, Michigan uh, Zone. <laughs> Zone, Judy Greer, which is largely for oh, the better. Yeah. Um, no, but it, you know, for me, it's an obvious clear choice. Nick Cage, no, no question. No contest. I figured. Uh, the man, I mean, I, I'm already watching every movie that the man makes. That's practically all I watch anyway. So I'm perfectly fine with, watching this, <laughs> with, with watching the wonder, the magic that is the great Nicholas Cage. I'm going to go with Albert Brooks. <laughs> nice. If Albert Brooks okay. is in a movie, right. I'm into it. He's just so damn interesting. And he does interesting films. And uh, He's been in some. He had like the renaissance here in the 2010s with Drive and the movie we're doing today, actually, oddly enough. But he also did some really groundbreaking stuff. I, I don't know. I, like, I just like watching him on film. I think he's really interesting. Although he's kind of bland at the same time. It's interesting, too. How do you feel about Finding Nemo? You're not much of an animated film guy. I never he... saw that or the sequel. Oh, yeah, so. Of course, you know that. I didn't. So yeah, I don't, but he, he's like a star. That, yeah, I, I saw that in IMDb. I looked it up a couple of days ago. I was like, oh, shit. Well, it's bizarre. I, I love him as the voice of... Uh, is he Marlin? Or, yeah, Marlin. He's yeah, Marlin. He's Marlin. Um, no Marlin. It's not your typical Albert Brooks because like he's like super... like paranoid and fearful and neurotic whereas regular albert brooks is kind of like confident <laughs> and 
in to me in his his films, but I, I love that's him. A, I'm not sure that's clear. I don't agree with that. Yeah, I, I don't. I, mean, I don't get, get confidence, but uh, he is a little bit more laid back generally. Hmm. I would say that. But he's also does he can go he could do the neuros, neuroses quite well if he needs to. I think. Sure, uh, sure. Depending Mother on the fan over here. Love love that Debbie. Debbie yeah, Brown I tried to find that. Part. I need to. I've tried to find. I couldn't find it. Uh, I'll talk more about that in quarantine viewing picks, but. uh Ooh. Yeah, why not? My backup would have been Keanu Reeves because I'm looking for a large selection of movies too. Because if you're only really? going to get stuck with one actor, you want to find a long IMDb yeah. list. Oh yeah, that, and that's yeah, with exactly. that case. Like, I'm going to get some masterpieces. I'm going to get some fucking movies I can laugh at. Uh, I can yeah. laugh movies I can laugh with because they're intentionally funny. The man runs the gamut of all of all human experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah he does. All right, well, let's do it then. Quarantine viewing picks. Those are our emails. Thanks. Send them at nightpot at protonmail.com. If you feel like email the show, come on by. Say something. <laughs> yeah, zap with a zip and go. Close them books. Uh, Mr. Wilson said so. Randy All right. Wilson, <laughs> what if he's still alive? I hope he is. I, I hope so. In our hearts. And he's always going to be alive. We're talking about our driving instructor for the, for those that don't know us personally. Math teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah, assume yeah. He's dead. Like, he was like 40 when we knew him. We're just going to assume he's dead. It was 20 years and he was married <laughs> to Miss FW. I had Miss FW before I ever met Mr. Wilson. And I had no idea at the time because I went to the round school. There was a teacher in our, in, oh, in our district called Mrs. FW. Mrs. Flanagan Wilson. Miss FW. And uh, I had no idea until I got to high school that she was married to Mr. Wilson. All right. Well, everybody, oh, you're no getting shit. the whole background of our wow. education. I, think I'm, I feel like I'm revealing information to you guys. You, that was yeah. like a revelation. Wow. Yeah. Dude, who would play Mr. Wilson in the biopic? <laughs> oh, clearly Will Patton. <laughs> okay. All right. That's dead on. No, you know that's, that's dead on. Somebody more nerdy and fit, yeah. very svelte, very fit, thin. Nerdy? Uh, okay. Yeah, tight pants. Uh, nothing's coming to mind right now, but I'll think about that. Travis, why don't you give us your quarantine viewing picks for this week? Well, speaking of Nick Cage, I went back uh -huh. and I watched uh, Red Rock West from 1993. You know, I like to watch a Nick Cage once a week or so. I, you know, I put one under my belt. And this time, I, yeah, I have mentioned it before. Uh, so this time I put it under uh, the belt Red Rock West, which is a very classic 90s fucking like, like noir remake or like noir reboot kind of idea, like, you know, from that from that era. Uh, Dennis Hopper putting in some fun work. It's, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, I really like this actor named oh shit uh, Jeffrey Donovan, who uh, is best known for Burn Notice, which I did not watch, but he's done some other stuff. I watched this movie with him and Matthew Fox called Extinction from 2015. Um, some flaws, but if you're kind of if you like zombie movies, but are at this point discerning about which zombie movies you want to watch. Uh, yeah. Extinction from 2015, not to be confused with the Matthew Pena one for Netflix. Um, Extinction was was different. It was it was worth it was worth checking out. Um, Eric, I took your advice and revisited Flatliners from 1990, which I had yes. not seen since then. It was, so it was basically like I was watching it for the first time. And Oliver Platt, Oliver Platt. I do love me some Oliver Platt. That I is do. true, but he's kind of he's kind of a whiner in this one. So like, it's not like the it's not like the fun Platt. It was more it's more like oh, nervous Platt. Like it wasn't it wasn't my favorite Platt. It wasn't Digstown Platt. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it wasn't Lake Placid Platt. Lake Platt. <laughs> Lake Placid. Uh, but yeah, no, anyway, there it is. <laughs> Found the portmanteau. Uh, yeah, so but Flatliners, uh, I you know it made me. Uh, I definitely appreciated Schumacher's vision here. It definitely felt like um, some of his better work. I think uh, I, I wasn't that into the story, but I was. I was glad I revisited it. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I found the story a little, 
a little dull, but it was it was it was cool overall. Um, I watched this documentary series made for Netflix called Surviving Death. After that, because I was kind of like I like um, like near death experiences, those kind of stories. So like I was like I want to get some more of that kind of those kind of you know real life stories. So I watched this 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 six part documentary called surviving death. Some of which was just silly. There's like two episodes about mediums, which was just like, okay, I don't get those oh, hours really? of my life oh, back, really? but there was some really good stuff in there about near death experiences. There was some good stuff in there uh, about like, like little kids, like, you know, like, like four year olds talking about like their previous lives and that kind of shit. It was, it was pretty cool. I enjoyed that. Um, I watched a great, I got two major recommendations for the week. One is a great documentary that I watched on, I believe it was also on Netflix, but I had never heard of, um, for, it came out last year. Do you guys, I'd never heard of this event. Do you remember the time that guy in Colorado armored a bulldozer like with and tore down his own town in a fit of anger? Sounds on. Is this a Liam Neeson movie? This is a real fucking thing that happened the day before Ronald Reagan died. So it got buried in the news cycle. And but this guy, this motherfucker spent like a year fortifying a bulldozer with iron metal shit and like put like gun shoot sides in it shit and just went to town on the people that he wanted to like get revenge on, like knocking over their homes and their businesses and shit. It is fucking wild. It is one of the craziest real life documentary stories I've ever seen. And it's called Tread. It's on Netflix, I believe. <laughs> I definitely recommend wow. it. It was it was wild. I mean, the first half is like a lot of reenactments, and it's like kind of like uh, you know, this is a little whatever. But once it actually gets into like real, like what happened, it, there's tons of the footage of it actually happening, and it's wild. So I'd, I'd recommend Tread. Oh, yeah, shit. yeah, wow. definitely a big recommendation there. And then my last recommendation for the week, uh, I watched this movie from 2018 called uh, Hearts Beat Loud with Nick Offerman. Um, I think this is one of the best like band movies i've seen um and it's also like a great family movie because it's about a father and his daughter forming a band together and it's just a really it's got tony collette in it it's got D ted dancing in it you got a lot of good people popping in but it's just ted ted, ted pops in he plays a stoner like he often does um and he's and but the movie is like it's just really really sweet it's this really sweet film um a good like dramedy uh, about like you know, kind of like a micro drama type thing, and I genuinely really like the music. There's like a EP that came out with the movie because they're like writing songs together in the movie, and like I rocked it all week. I, I genuinely like it, and it's a very indie movie. Like they treat Jeff Tweedy like he's God. There's like the like songs of Haya is referenced like in the first two minutes of the movie. Um, but it's it's a decent it's a decent film, and uh, I, and the music was more like indie pop it's a, it's kind of like pop music but it's fun and i would recommend heart hearts beat loud ted what? where you at that sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> you're waiting for that all right cool thanks travis yeah. i hope you guys enjoyed that that uh tread I'll look into that tread, tread documentary it sounds like something incredible you might be into eric bradshaw what do you got hey. in griffith indiana yeah you know i watched uh control this is uh, Ian Curtis Control. of Joy Division biopic that I didn't know existed. That's a few years old. Anton Corbin is one of my favorite photographers. And occasionally he'll make a film. Uh, and the, this is a gorgeous looking film. Script is a little dry, kind of boring, uh, but well made. I like the guy who played uh, Ian Curtis and Samantha Morton. Can't go wrong. Uh, so, yeah, Control is decent. Uh, I watched... 
you know, I watched Malignant, Travis. Uh, All right. Ended up seeing it on HBO. Malignant, <laughs> Travis. I haven't seen that one. Oh, Malignant, man, Travis. Dude. So I'm going to get in. A, I'm, I'm not going to talk about it too much, but I will get into spoiler territory. If you haven't seen it, you know, do the 30 second thing on your phone or oh, whatever. But uh, it's a very new film. Yeah, very, very new. Well, I, I, I have a comparison. I mean, if you don't want to hear it, just mute yourself really quick. But. The film is basically like Basket Case meets John Wick. I mean, when it comes to like mashups, it's like that's fucking in, in, insane. Like who? Like how? How did they give John uh, James Wan? Like how did they greenlit this? It could only be because of his story and career. It's batshit crazy. It's wild. But like while I'm watching it, I'm like, this is horrible. Like I'm watching, <laughs> I'm like, this sucks so bad. Like this is fucking horrible. Then the next day, I'm like, well, Christ. It was unlike anything I've ever seen, and I ha- I had to hand it to the guy for making something you just don't see at all. Uh, but <laughs> so funny because I watched it enjoying it, thinking that it was somewhat derivative. <laughs> really? <laughs> the they're, they're trying to do this thing where like they're they're trying to ape like eighties and like it's intentionally yeah. Oh, yeah. cheesy like trauma. But the whole good, thing comes out looking like you know uh you like you know like those commercials for Taco Bell for like the nacho fries where it's like a fake movie. But it, like it's, they're well made and it like looks like an actual movie. This is like what Malignant is like. It's like it's a movie and it's well made technically, but it's parody and stupid. But there's some interesting ideas in there. Uh, yeah, you know, Cry Macho is getting a lot of shit. I just a lot of shit. I, I'm oh, it is? From people, people are ripping who, on Cry Macho. I'm dialing from people who just haven't seen it or like, hey, fuck that old man. Uh, but I dug it. I thought it was a sweet movie overall, man. Very slight. Like there's not much to it, but it reminded me of just like uh, movies from the seventies. Uh, Paris, uh, Texas. Yeah, I guess so. I, I dug the film. So, I had to whatever. think about it, man. What, what's the last? What's the last movie that you that he directed? That was was it? He, he did Sully, right? Yeah, he did Sully. Sully yeah, was he good. Did Richard Jewell. I, I didn't I see that. that too. I like that. I mean, it's I kinda, love the Mule. I fucking love. Yeah, the I didn't mule. see that either. I thought it was fucking. I didn't see the Mule fantastic. either. Yeah, yeah I'm kind yeah. of tuned out. The curve. I guess. That's what, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of Eastwood later. movies on the last ten years. He's like know. Woody Allen, man. He just cranks them out. Like I'm gonna shit out one movie a year. He's one take Fucking Clint. He doesn't like to do the David yeah, Fincher 91. stuff. Yeah. God bless him, man. Uh, went way back. God bless Strangers that 92 year old asshole. Strangers on a Train, 1951 is a fucking classic. I can't so get good. enough of it. It's fucking amazing. Get River off of No Return. Train. Yeah, River of No Return, Mike. 1954. Otto Preminger. Uh, mm-hmm. great like romantic western with Bob Mitchell, Marilyn Monroe is fucking fantastic in it. Um, my my big recommendation here is Four Good Days. So this came out I think earlier this year. Glenn Close and Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis plays a woman who's in uh, recovery for substance abuse, and Glenn Close plays her mother. And you know it's about those you're coming off of uh, um, narcotic or whatever you want to call it, and before they can give you the shot that will basically make you immune to the symptoms of these pills, you, you need like four days of just doing nothing. And it's about this, a strange relationship between mother and daughter and how they get through that to a, a brighter future. I, I thought the film was pretty good and I haven't heard anything about it. I just kind of stumbled across it and there it was, but I, I dug it. I liked the film. Great performances. Never heard of but, it. But but Glenn Close keeps looking more and more like Mrs. Doubtfire in every movie she's in. But, you know, it's not her fault. That's, it could that's, be her fault. I, mean, I don't know. Fine fine actor. Fine actor. That's she it can. for me. All right. What'd you watch, Mike? Did you watch movies this time? 
Guys, I am back. All right. I have okay. reinvigorated. I've got a, right. a healthy dose. And uh, right. it's great. There's so many movies I still need to see in this life, and I really knocked off a lot of them. So no right. retreads here for the most oh, part. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Uh, so right off the bat, I'm the first to watch it. I watched it. The Beast of War. The Beast. Oh, finally, someone watched it. Okay. How was it? Yeah, he watched it. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's frustrating because it's really well done. It's crazy. Stephen Bauer plays an F. He plays a Mujahideen. <laughs> oh, uh... but, but he does it really well. No, it's like, it's well done. The It's totally authentic language, which I was very impressed by. But then, like, and everybody else in there is legit. It's It's not... Uh, you know, fraudulent in any way. But the problem here is it's about the Russian invasion of, of Afghanistan. Yeah. And the whole main crew, George Zunda, Jason Patrick, yeah. they're all Americans, but they have these Russian names because oh. it's based on the book about this <laughs> Russian tank crew. And there's no hint of even Russian accents. They're just American. It just fucks it all up for me. Yeah. I mean, at least Hunt for Red October did tiny little clever conceit in the beginning to, you know, suspend your disbelief. This is just nothing. They're clearly from, like, Iowa. Yes. <laughs> uh, it fucked me up. and Because it's a really, everything else about it's, like, really authentic. And it's violent. And wow. it's really grim and intense. And it's like, but damn it. It just ruined it for me. I'm like, why? Why did it? What a this is why this movie never got any pub because the people probably like well, well this is strange. <laughs> I mean it's not I wonder, it's not that unheard of especially for the nineties. It's not unheard. It was eighty eight and it's you're right. It's not okay. unheard of. It's not unheard of at all. It just it didn't do it for me at all because it messed me up. It just bothered me so much. But I tried tried to get through it because it's really <laughs> well done. When I was it watching, um, well what's the uh, um, uh, Aguirre Wrath of God? You know, this mm. is like about. Spanish conquistadors and I'm watching them like well I guess it doesn't matter if I'm reading German or reading Spanish but part of me was like it is a little weird like all these guys in these in these conquistador conquistador uh costumes like uh, talking German <laughs> but you know oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean but after a little while not to jump into your thing too much but after a little while I, you know it was like reading subtitles or something where I just kind of forgot about it was able to watch the film and that did not happen with this film for you Dude, if I'm you so can sorry. survive uh, Harrison Ford and K-19, the Widowmaker, and his horseshit Russian <laughs> accent, you can take anything. Uh, it's too bad, because they're all putting in good performances here. They really are. Uh, you know, even Stephen Baldwin, he plays like the doofus of the crew, but he's... You, you don't it's say. so strange to see Biodome in it in a really serious... This movie's dead serious. There's no jokes in this movie. <laughs> he's, in, he's in usual suspects. He had his moments. <laughs> to see yeah, but Biodome even then, he's fucking it. around. He's, you know, he's fucking around. <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. This is. I want you guys. I want one of, at least one of you guys to watch it at some point because I'd love to see someone else's opinion on this because yeah. it's a fascinating movie. It really is. It it comes out after Platoon, right? Two years after Platoon, yeah. and it's got a lot of the messages about war. And it starts with a Rudyard Kipling quote about the Afghan fields and no soldier ever wants to survive, and you'd rather kill yourself than be stuck out there. And, it's grim. It's fucking grim. Well, I remember 1988 is also when Rambo 3 came out, and it was Rambo <laughs> versus Afghanistan. So I can't imagine these two uh, open on the same weekend. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, but our guy, uh, you know, Nick Patachico, Patachico. Oh, Christ. I'm sorry, Boy, Nick. I'm totally butchering your name. Patichio. 
Paticcio. Nick Paticcio sent in the recommendation for this, and I want to give you credit, Nick. I understand what you said about it. You know, he said that it was it was a really underrated movie, and Roger Avery loved it, and that was cool. But I got to tell you, Nick, I, I was just kind of bummed out by the Americanized essence of this Russian tank squad. <laughs> Even though they have, Damn. like, all of the gear, they look just like Russian tank soldiers would in 1981 because it's supposed to be based in 81 during the early days of the invasion. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I bet Stephen Bauer could say Paticcio in a more authentic Italian uh, <laughs> Damn right he could. Damn you, right he could. Yeah. <laughs> that whole crew was... They were legit. I'll give them. I'll give them full credit for the, for that crew. All right. So uh, I watched that. It's over. Uh, I fired up. Um, I never saw this one, and I always, a lot of people shit on it, or I heard it was terrible, so I just kind of dismissed it. But I watched, and we talked about doing this, Travis, about watching more of Spike Lee's movies. Mm-hmm. And I watched Summer of Sam. I never saw Summer. You never of saw Sam. Summer of Sam. I, that was that wow. was one of the other ones I was debating. I was debating between that and Clockers, pretty much. Oh really? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah. I, it's a. I, I mean, I liked it. I, people were probably pissed because they want it to be like so focused on the Berkowitz himself or like in his yeah. killings. But I like what Spike Lee did with this. He creates a whole layout, a motif, if you will, of just a different a, a summer, a summer mm-hmm. in New York, because that's what it really was about. And all the chaos surrounding it and people's lives individually, how it was influenced by the paranoia. I really dug the way he did it. I thought it yeah. was rock solid. I'm glad it got made. Michael Imperioli co-wrote that script and was trying to, uh-huh. dire- yeah, he was trying to direct it as well. Um, but uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it, but they, they, he wasn't big enough. He still hasn't directed that much, but, uh, but Spike is friends with him and he jumped on it. And it's a different, it's a different kind of movie for Spike Lee. I, I'm glad he did it. You got Michael no, Bantaluco as David Berkowitz. You got, you, I think a lot of people had a problem with the talking dog in particular. I remember a lot of people. I remember people laughing in the movie theater, which I don't think it was supposed to happen. Oh, that doesn't bother me at all. But <laughs> I didn't, what I, what I was annoyed by once again was the goddamn swelling score. Sounded just oh. like all of his other movies <laughs> again. I couldn't believe it. I Parents couldn't believe it. Fucking Blanchard with Parents the heaviest, the heaviest Blanchard. hand in Hollywood. Like it's so blatant. It's so like not even different. Clockers, Summer Sam, 25th Hour, Inside Man. It all sounds the same. It all sounds the same. It's all overbearing. It's all too much. It all takes up all the room in the film. It gives you no like chance to process. Uh, yeah, I, I, worst, worst composer out there. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. Really is. That's unbelievable. That and Spike Lee. I mean, he's so good, and it's just that stupid score. <laughs> oh God. I watched stuff uh, for the first time, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Never saw that oh, one. I love Richard it. Curtis. So, you know, I had to go back and I kind of jumped in on Curtis originally with Love Actually, like every, a lot of other people probably did. But uh, it's, uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. Solid. A few laughs. Yeah. 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 Uh, Simon Callow is really funny in that movie. I'll give him credit. He's like the best part of it, arguably. Um, but if you want to go back to the 90s and, you know, Check out some British humor. Uh, Mike Newell makes the movie a lot better oh, than I think yeah, it would have been probably um, because it seems almost like it's just like a series of things that are happening. And I wonder I wonder how it would have been if, because Richard Curtis hadn't really directed, I believe, before that. He had done television writing and stuff, so it would have been different under the direction of someone else. I'm curious. But, uh, you know, it's not bad. It's, it's pretty cool. It's decent. I'd recommend it, I think. So. All right. Anything else? Yeah. Oh, of course. I, I <laughs> commentary there. Uh, I watched My Sister's Keeper, Nick Cassavetti's movie. 
with oh, Cameron shit. Diaz. Jason, I'm on a Jason Patrick binge now too. If you're yeah. noticing, yeah. Um, Jason Patrick, Cameron Diaz, Ab- Abigail Breslin. Right after a couple years after uh, Sunshine. Uh, mm. Never heard of this one. I don't think. Neither had I. And yeah. <laughs> it's not fun at all. Oh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a drag. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. It's a bit of a drag. I mean, is putting it mildly? I mean, ooh. it's no secret. It's about, it's a cancer story, so that's not really a spoiler. Blanchard did a score on that one? <laughs> it felt like it. <laughs> Alec Baldwin's in this. Uh, he he's actually pretty good at it. And actually, everyone's really solid in it. It's just, it's just like it's not going to be the feel-good watch of the summer, so it's up to you if you want to sit down for that. But there are lessons to be taken from it. I, I, I like Cassavetti's work. I usually, it seems like he was on a, a roll here in that aughts because this came out in '09, right? And he did Alpha Dog a couple years before that. He was really focused because these are like true stories. There was a book written about this. This supposed to be was true. He seemed very focused on these devastating children got fucked stories in real life. So, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a whole like trilogy. It seems like it's kind of weird. Uh, but these stories need to be told, and it wasn't bad. I uh, watched for the first time again in the Valley of Elah. Tommy Lee Jones, Charlize okay. Theron, and a movie about a soldier who comes back from Iraq, made in 2007. And I'm going to strongly recommend this one. This one is not heavy-handed. It doesn't really try to force any agenda on you. It just lays out the cards. This is what's going down. This is what happens. And it's really well done. I, I want to do a stronger recommend on In the Valley of Elah. Hmm. I, I, I keep seeing it. I, I see you there in the Valley of Elah, but I've never clicked hit play. Like, I just, I can't do it. Like, it looks boring. Do it. It do looks it. boring. Yeah, I never did it either. No, it's not It's not that boring. It's not. Oh, it's I not mean, that boring? No. It, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's got Charlize <laughs> Theron, Susan Sarandon, Tommy Lee Jones. I mean, so yeah, that's Paul Haggis film. Yeah, Paul Haggis. Yeah, it's written directed by Paul Haggis. There's enough credibility there to at least turn it on. It got yeah, some buzz when it came out. People said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. Fuck you guys. Whatever. You don't want to watch it. Uh, I watched for the first time. <laughs> uh, I was on a Mel Gibson kick, too. The Ooh. Professor and the Madman. Yeah, uh, which was too, complicated. Right a complicated movie, apparently, which was disavowed partially. <laughs> Um, disavowed it, by who the director disavowed. well apparently by Gibson and the director and then like Sean Penn took much control or something and they're both disagreeing on whether this was done the way they wanted it to be I don't know it's it's fucking weird read about it actually check, uh, Eric what would you think so much potential because like the production design is beautiful and I love the way it was shot and like the, like both actors are ready to go like to do the job but like script is all over the place and it's edited like a fucking nightmare. They blancharded the shit out of the score too, if I'm remembering right. <laughs> it's running with that. Really yeah. well, Steve Coogan's in it. That's promising. Hey, so, Coogs. But Sean Penn is going like, uh, you know, I am Sam here in this movie, like just too far, like uh, take it down a notch, you know, like slow your roll. Um, I am Sam. If you're not, if you don't want to get not too much to give away, but he plays the madman in case you're wondering. So imagine no. what Sean Penn's going to do playing the madman. Anyways, I thought Mel Gibson's performance was very understated and yeah, classy I and did. well done. Yeah, I liked it. Very simple, but good. And then I, I watched Drag Across Concrete. Man, okay, I know. All right, we're you know, it's I been got, like three weeks since we talked about it. I know. I got in, <laughs> so I got in late. I got in late. Yeah. You know, Wait, you've I, never seen I, it. I watched, Oh no, I'd never seen it. Oh, I thought you would. So it was Eric that was talking about for so long. Okay. Well, yeah, yes. 
And I had never seen Cell Block 99 too. So I watched watch that a couple months ago. Oh, yeah, 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 I love I love so that. I, that's what's got me into this guy. This guy yeah. is violence and the the worlds he creates. Very what's impressive. It, what's his name again, Eric? You know. Eiser, Eisler, Eiser, man. Uh, something S. Eiser. I can never remember, dude. Oh, um, yeah. It's a tough one. It's a, a middle initial, too. Craig Zoller. Craig, Zoller. Craig, Craig, Zoller. S, Craig, Craig S. Zoller. Zoller. Craig S. Zoller. Yeah, he does good S, work. No, S. S. Craig Zoller. S. 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 Craig. That's what it's. S. Craig. S. S. Day Lauder. I'm calling him Craig. I'm going to skip the S. I'm not, not going to be able to remember it if I try to throw this S in there somewhere. Yeah, it really anyway. fucks you up. Craig Zoller would be very easy to remember. He did Bone Tomahawk too, right? Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I mean, great. Bone Tomahawk. I know that's the one I gotta see still. Like, uh, I, I know him mostly as ridiculously long runtime. Uh, that's just what yep. I call him. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely a long runtime. And yeah, but this movie is so slow and patient, but it really gives you the most, arguably the most honest portrayal of what it's like to be on a stakeout. I mean, Stake Out the Movie is stupid as hell with Richard Dreyfus <laughs> and Emilio Estevez. But Man, this movie, like these guys, the way they talk about, you know, smelling each other's breath and listen to them huffing in air. Pro- yeah, but listen to you processing air back there. Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson together are a great combo. Yeah, really, I never thought I needed yeah, it till yeah. I saw it. And I was like, wow, this is, this is a great movie. And uh, the whole thing is just very taut. And I would strongly recommend this one. I'm going to close out on that. Strongly recommend Dragged Across Concrete. And if you've never seen S. Craig Zoller's films, you should get out on those. As Both of these guys have already talked about. Yeah, Estee Lauder's films are amazing. So, uh. (laughs) Oh, and uh, Aaron Kruger says, thank you for answering my question about watching only one actress filmography. I should have seen the Nick Cage response coming. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Classic, isn't it, Aaron? These fucking guys, we're all so typical, you know? We're formulaic. What can we tell you? Yeah, so... Oh, there you go. So I'm back on track watching movies. And I got more to watch, too. So uh, I'll have more updates uh, on next. Oh, wait. One more. I forgot to mention. Uh, Forever Young, which is a. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm a fan. Speaking of Mel Gibson, right? Forever Young. Mel yeah. Gibson. Saw it in the theater when I was a yeah. kid with Matt Simiak. I remember it on a Sunday. And uh, a, a Jeffrey Abrams script, too, by the way. Yeah. Yes. Jeffrey yeah. Abrams wrote Forever that script. That's where, where Regarding Henry start. and this movie, back-to-back years, both scripts of his in the oh, early days right. before we I'm became fan, J.J. So. Dude, uh, it's uh, Man Without a Face, man? Man Without a Face? One. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not, oh, you got to watch Man Without yeah, a Face. Yeah, you got to watch Man Without a Face. Yeah, if you're on a Gibson kick, you got to watch Man Without a Face. Yep. Make it back. Yeah, lock it in. Did you, guys, uh, did you guys watch the Emmys by any chance? No. I, I, I watched them. Um, it's the highest rated uh, awards show in years in any category, apparently, which I thought was kind oh, of wow. funny. Um, but I was happy to see Ted Lo- Ted Lasso get a lot of the love that it rightfully deserves. Oh, great. Good. Good for them. Yeah. They deserve yeah. it. Yeah. I still got to watch season two, so I'm excited. It's coming along great. Yeah. Is it? Oh, is it done or is it mostly done? It's mostly done. I think there's one, maybe two episodes left. Okay, perfect. Well, then it's almost time for me to jump in. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm really good at avoiding spoilers or else society's just getting better in general about think, respecting television spoilers. It. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I think we all have a, like an unspoken agreement that we're all on different schedules and we shouldn't go gloating about TV series because people are busy and they need to catch up. Unless you're Judd Apatow when you spoil the complete ending of Lost in your movie. 
which I've never seen lost. Neither have I. I couldn't give a <laughs> fuck. Bother. I really could. But I did think that was funny. All right. There it is. Court TV Mix. Thanks, everybody. Aaron, glad we could answer your question. Thanks for the email. Keep them coming. It's time for us to go into the main event. Does it hold up? I don't know. We're going to find out. This is 40, a 2012 Milm. 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 Hey, Milm. Milm. Hey, Milm. Come in with a Milm. Come in with a Milm. Come in with a Milm. 2012 <laughs> film directed by Judd Apatow, starring Paul Rudd and that lady right behind me. Good old Leslie. There she is. She's not Leslie Apatow, though. Leslie Mann. She's Leslie Mann. That's right. She kept her name. Good for her. And uh, a host of others. Like I said, Albert Brooks, John Lithgow, a whole crew here of, uh, you know, Robert Smigel popping in, you know, Bozo Fest 101. Daddy and I are making some changes so that we can be happier and healthier. And we're starting with this meal that I prepared. I think it looks great. Doesn't it look good? What is that, grilled cheeses? No, baked, baked tofu. Oh. It's actually really tasty. And the lettuce is so fresh and tasty that you forget how good lettuce tastes on its own without dressing. No, dressing always gets in the way of the natural taste of the lettuce. And another thing we've decided is to cut back on all of the electronics we use. Basically, what we're going to do is get rid of the Wi-Fi and only use the computer what? from 8 to 8.30 at night. How are we going to go on the computer? We're going to have a hard line in the kitchen. Yeah, we'll supervise that. You can't do this. You can't take away the Wi-Fi. No Wi-Fi. You don't spend enough time with the family when you're constantly on your iPhone and your computer. And, you know, you should, you're should. you only here for five more years. So you won't see me after five years? No, but you won't be living with us. And you should get to know your little sister. You've got the perfect friend right here. I don't want to be friends with her now. I'll be friends with her when she's 20 and a normal person. I don't want to hang out with her when I'm in my 20s. You're on the computer too much as it is. You need to get outside more. Do some playing outside. Yeah, you can build things. out. You could build a, a fort outside. What? Yeah, build a fort. Play with your friends and have... Make a fort outside? Yeah. And do what? Have little... Do what in the fort? When I was a kid, we used to build tree houses and play with sticks. Nobody plays with sticks. You and Charlotte can have a lemonade stand. Play kick the can. Look for dead bodies. Uh, Travis, you chose this movie, man. And yeah. tell us why you did that. This summer, Paul Rudd is stuck with three girls, and they don't understand Alice in Chains. <laughs> <laughs> There's the movie. <laughs> There's the movie. Um, Which yeah, one I, of you had a dick? They're, they're glad they don't have one. Which I thought that was a funny line. That was um, funny. Yeah, why did I choose this movie? I don't know why I chose this movie. It was kind of a random call for me. I kind of want, I think I, I got a little overly emotional when I picked Wolf. So I guess I wanted something that I had no emotional <laughs> attachment to. Um, I, I I also had been meaning to revisit it because I felt like, yeah, you know, it might be more appropriate now that we're of the age a little bit more. Um, and, you know, I don't know. We hadn't done an Apatow yet. And I've just been picking 2012 dry, like a chicken bone. So, uh, yeah, so we watched it. That's great. That's good enough for me. Eric, uh, do you remember seeing this movie before? No, I've never seen the picture. Uh, I, I saw Knocked Up. I liked it all right. But I remember the poster for this. This is 40. Like, Leslie Mann, like, he's on the toilet. I was like, okay, I feel like I've already seen the movie. Like, hey, why do I have to watch your shit? Like, that's what they'll do for two and a half hours. So I kind of skipped it. Uh, so I haven't seen it before. 
That's a ringing endorsement right there. Uh, I can't believe this movie's already nine years old. It seemed like it was so fresh and new, and now we're watching it like, oh, wow, this is nine years ago. These kids are much older than they are in this film now. Yeah. And so are we. Maude and Iris, right? Maude and Iris. I definitely know Maude. I don't know the second one. I'll take your word for it. Sounds right. uh, Yeah. So Judd Apatow directed this. Leslie Mann's his wife, and those are his real kids. And he watches while Paul Rudd, you know, violates his own wife in a way. I'm not violates, but takes himself to her. How yeah. how how do you film a scene where your wife is oh blowing a man and your children are banging on the door? Like how oh. do you like do you tell your kids? You tell like the six year old, whatever the fuck age is. Like I'm not I'm no prude, man. But like I'm just how do you film this? <laughs> like literally, like logistically, not like. How morally, but like literally, what do you do to make this happen? Do you like that's you know, funny cut very much apart? But then, like, do you show that because obviously the younger daughter is going to want to watch the movie that she right. starred in? So then, like, you're going to yeah. watch it with her and be like, eh, Don't worry about that part. I explained it to yeah. you. Oh, mom's tits are coming up again. Close your eyes again. Ah, <laughs> uh, I watched this movie with my girlfriend Leanne, the first, and uh, we had the very we had a several conversations about, Yeah, what if would I let you go to town with Paul Rudd and direct you? I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, it's complicated. It is. But clearly, they all have a very close relationship, and it's a very professional one, so they know what's professional. Hell, maybe they've probably had orgies together. Who knows? They could be a swinging crew, this whole family. Not the children, of course, but, I mean, Paul Rudd, Let's Leslie Mann, and Judd Apatow. But I'll tell you what. I first time I saw this, I, I thought it was going to be dumb. I was like, this is 40. I don't like this title. And I was 31, 32, and... But uh, I ended up liking it. I thought it was funny, and I was bummed out because I didn't think it would hold up without being any relation to Seth Rogen because the Knocked Up was supposed to be a continuation of this, but it's very much just goes in a different direction, and uh, I ended up liking it, and I've, I've enjoyed this film many times, so I was excited to watch it again, and uh, yeah, I was a fan of this movie. I have been, and because I love Judd Apatow, and I think he tells honest tales for the most part about family life and stuff like that. But we'll talk more about that. So uh, I remember enjoying it on DVD very much so when I first saw it. But IMDb score. Anybody look it up? Anybody uh, got any spoilers? I'm. I mean, it was pretty well re- received. It was pretty well received. I feel like, uh, but not like beloved. It's not, and that's another reason why I chose it. It's not like picked. It's not talked about a lot these days. But I'm gonna guess in the high sixes. I'm gonna say six point. I'm gonna say six point six. Eric? Five eight. Eric? Five eight. Five eight. Uh, I'm gonna say this is a like a seven. A rocks right on the seven wow. seven. Yeah, like wow. it's like people like yeah, I enjoy this. Right. Actual retail price is oh fuck wow six point two six point two. All right, <laughs> that was way off, man. <laughs> Shit. Wow. Well, I think people yeah. are pissed. Yeah, wow. it's pretty middling. I would say that that's a middling score. Yeah, that is. And then on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. This is all new to me. I am go. I love going in fresh when we do the show. We get real-time, yeah. genuine yeah. reactions. 51% from the critics and 50 from the audience. A dead heat from Talk about both middling. sides. Wow. That is very middling. Yeah. That is. Wow. That's like, well, that's almost the definition of middling. Wow. Very, very, very tepid reception. <laughs> I, I can't believe, as a first time viewer, I can't believe you guys are surprised. So I've been I've been nervous all day. So I've- you're always nervous. I don't even yeah, know why you do this podcast. Do you enjoy at all doing this with us? I hope you enjoy it. I look forward to it all week. 
<laughs> when it's episodes like this, I get nervous all day because I don't want another almost famous. But he just laid it out for you why he chose it. It wasn't like a it wasn't wolf to him. So you are off the hook. Relax. He yeah. already laid all that right. out. So come I'm, on. Not, okay. I'm not emotionally uh, invested in this film. Yeah, he's clearly not. But uh, as far as the critics, emotional investments, uh, well, a lot of splits, a lot of splits. How about Donald Clark? Let's get the Irish perspective from the Irish Times. We don't get enough of them. <laughs> yeah, we should get more of the Irish perspective. <laughs> Fucking A. Right on. Uh, it is it is in its quieter way more pointlessly indulgent than Matrix Revolutions. <laughs> oh man. Whoa. That Dude, a that is a hell I gotta swipe. say, that's a hell of a hell of a caption right there. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> can you can you say it again in like an Irish brogue just for laughs? I don't do Irish brogue. If you can do oh, it, okay. I'd love I, can't I wish do it. I Yeah, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not gonna yeah. try to I'm not gonna try on the air. That's assault sure. the uh yeah, definitely. No, why not? Come on, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not going to try it. Okay, I tried it. <laughs> yeah, you did. That, 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 I heard a hint of something reasonable. I, I did. A, yeah. a mild hint. Not bad. Yeah, I just stick with it. Just leave it. Is that there. Brendan Gleeson? Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, I love Brendan Gleeson. <laughs> uh, I'm looking for Goody Coons. Uh, we're all looking for Goody Coons. Yeah, we should do a documentary be... called Looking for Goody Coons. Looking for Goody Coons. Yeah, uh, Destin, <laughs> Destin was retired by this point from the, the film gig. So yeah, we're not going to get dozen. Yeah. Well, how about this? There's one we never used. Corey Hall from the Metro Times, one of our favorite oh, local yeah. rags. This is a profound tone deafness. <laughs> oh, th no, <laughs> there is a profound tone deafness to This Is 40. Yet another overly long, overly whiny, and overly crude exploration of Apatow's bloated ego. <laughs> wow. That, that is, is unkind. <laughs> that is, yeah, there's no other way to really... Sugar code. That, that is. I, I hope I don't run into you on the street after making that review. Kind of unkind. Yeah, please uh, don't expect any favors. How about the old man himself, Leonard Malton? We don't Ooh. ever hear from Lenny on this Malty. show. Malty. Uncle Malty. Malty. Uh, this the film earns its stripes as a raunchy R-rated comedy even before the main title appears on screen, and he likes it. That's an approving uh, review, by the way. It does kick off with fucking. It does. Uh, boner fucking with Viagra, yeah. And, uh, As opposed to that other kind of fucking, which I guess that's true. Non-boner fucking, uh, which does exist. And I mean, that's I think cool. this, I'm, not, I'm not selling the sort. No, 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 no. No, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't dream despairing <laughs> bonerless fucking. Bonerless fucking. Thanks for coming out. We're bonerless fucking. Yay, always a pleasure to have you guys on the stage. You guys are <laughs> a big hit here. Uh, a couple more here. We'll close it out. I'm looking yeah. for some of the... Richard Roper says, At times, This Is 40 is brutally funny and brutally honest. Just as often, it's painfully shrill and unpleasant. Which is mm. not good, I hear, either. Yeah, these so are pretty lot middle, of, middle reviews, if not not good reviews. They're being yeah. kind, in my opinion. But we'll get there. We'll get well, there. Yeah, well, we'll I get think there. we're already I, there, bud. I think we're officially <laughs> yeah, just think, think uh, that. <laughs> how about Ty, yeah, Ty Burr from the Boston Globe says, I hate to say it, but if Judd Apatow wants to be a seriously funny filmmaker, he may have to leave home. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. And finally, funny. and finally, Goody Coons. Bill Goody Coons of yeah, the Arizona Republic. On December 20th, 2012, he said, we aren't used to comedies that make us squirm like this. That doesn't mean they aren't worth our time. This is 40 is four out of five stars. Our first good review for this movie comes from Goody Coons. Goody Coons does good. Grady Coons. All yeah. right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so is this, let's talk about his, 
his use of his family in his movies, which has happened a lot, and in other, I think he was producer on that one show that was short-lived with that guy with the glasses on Netflix. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Nope. I don't know his name. I think it's Josh something. Oh, yeah, Anyways, yeah, yeah. Uh, It was like two seasons. Love. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, I and, did watch that. I took that back. Yeah, you just forgot because it wasn't yeah. really memorable. Yeah. Uh, but his daughter was on that show as well, and he executive produced it. And so he likes to include his family. What do we... Uh, is this a problem for anybody or is like this nepotism 101 or, but if people are talented, cool. Uh, any thoughts? I mean, when it comes to nepotism in Hollywood, for one, it's so old, like, like, you know, we can get over it, but it's also there's nepotism in every family. I mean, every, in every industry, I mean, like, like yes. nepotism makes all industries run, whether you right. like it or not. Like that's just the way the world works. It's just more visible in film. And if someone's not a talented uh, performer, then they're not going to, have a career and um i think maude apatow does pretty good in this film but i mean and she has had something of a career and i think that because because she has a degree of talent for i mean like we as regular listeners know that we are we're not into child actors on this show like we just we're not very <laughs> forgiving of unprofessional actors and they're you know when we you know, like so we're, we're like and, and to me like the biggest so there's like this there's this weight there's this balance here and that i think i think mod apatow mod apatow i think does a really good job in this film um iris apatow i think there's way too much of this guy uh, Judd Apatow being like, my daughter is so adorable. Everyone's going to love how precocious she is. I'm just going to film her and put her there up on is. the screen. And she's so wonderful. America's going to fall in love with her. And it's like, oh, guy, we're not, we're, she's not our daughter. Like we don't, we're not seeing what you're seeing. So I, I found her pretty annoying. I was also, annoyed with those. Oh, go and ahead. Lastly, she, she's, she's doing a lot of, um, just to wrap up. And she's given a lot of like adult dialogue that I'm just not buying. Like this little kid saying. <sighs> yeah. I, I, I used to really think those Jergens commercials were sweet with Leslie Mann and her kids. And after this film, man, like, like you said, man, like it's different if the kids like, like, wow, this is a natural comedic performance. They're just saying the lines their dad wrote. Like they're, I, they, I, they were precocious as fuck. And this is Travis, Mr. Fucking precocious kids himself. Like you didn't just find these little fucking kids like to be the most shrill, like, uh, eating up screen time for no reason, like little, little well, bastards. not for no reason. I mean, there are there are characters in the film, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I get yeah, I get your point. There, I mean, there's definitely well, I mean, all of these characters, like we get so close to them that we get to be annoyed by all four of them, really. And okay, and Leslie Mann, like I I I have had a crush on her since the Cable Guy in 1996. For me, I'm sorry, man. Like, she can't. She doesn't cut it in this in this prominent leading role, seconding Paul Rudd for me. Every single time she opened her mouth, it was just like she got on my fucking nerves. I could not stand her. Every time she said something, I was like, A, you can't deliver a line to save a life, and B, I I fucking hate this character. Okay. Uh, you know, I was also not appreciative of the fact that Judd Apatow shoved Graham Parker and the rumor down my throat. You know, come on. I had never heard of them before. I, know, no one who Graham Parker I, on a, I thought I thought they were an invention for the film until last <laughs> night. When I, I'm like, I might as well Wikipedia and see if this yeah. is a real thing. I, I I totally thought that they're a fake band for the fucking movie. I'm That's not hilarious. famous what's in America his, what's his at hit? all. Like, like, does he have? Uh, there like, is no hit. Not in America. Not. I mean, he was, I think he's, he's from England, England, and it was yeah. in the '70s. Yeah, so forget it. No, 
Yeah, I think that yeah, that's part of the joke is that oh, he's so fucking man. obscure. And I guess and I guess he's in on the joke because much of the film is about how he's old and irrelevant. That's what I thought about. He's like, he's got a, he's willing to accept this oh, and yeah. probably is totally down with this. And and for one, and yeah, also he's getting paid really fucking well, which, you know, and th- then there's that joke towards the end where he doesn't give a fuck about the fact that the record failed, which, you know, this, which Pete, the third movie with Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel, where uh, Paul Rudd plays a character named Pete. Um, but he doesn't like care that Pete has invested everything on this record because he always knew it was going to fail. He's just stoked about the Glee episode because that means he's going to get paid. That's what it is. And uh, Paul's got a lot of nuts. Pete's got a lot of nuts. Big, big nuts. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't know why. Uh, I thought Leslie Mann's role in this is to be that way. So I didn't have a problem with her performance because she's supposed to be this person who, you know, her dad, dad was never there for her, abandoned her at a young age, and she's always panicked and concerned and doesn't understand. When they have that big showdown at the end of the birthday party where all the cards get laid on the table with... You know, with Pete's dad, played by Albert Brooks, who's fantastic, by the way. I love Albert Brooks in this movie. I want to say it now. He does such a great job of, with his little quips and about trying to make everything justified and rational about borrowing money all the time. It's great. And they have this whole concept about family helping family. And then you've got Leslie Mann's character with John Lithgow as her father, who was never there. And now he's back in her life, and they feel totally disconnected. And that actually made sense to me that she would constantly feel the state of panic because she never had an early maybe i'm going way too deep with it but i actually bought into it completely well i really had to wonder you know how autobiographical all of this was for one because it is very realistic but it doesn't always depict her in particular in the best light or or pete who i'm guessing is you know playing is standing in for judd um but for me like this is like all right so on a regular basis and you know Eric, you're a happily married man. Mike, you are blissfully in love and happy anniversary to you and Leanne, by the way. Absolutely. Um, But for me, like throughout my life, I have repeatedly come across individuals, strangers, people I know really well, everyone across the board, males, I should stress for the most part, but some women as well have consistently said to me, do not get married. You'll be miserable. It's a miserable experience. And this movie to me is just like, don't get married the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think about Travis is how authentic I really thought that these arguments that they had and the, the dialogue was very authentic and probably came directly from Judd Apatow and Leslie Mann's own fights. I'm not even kidding. Like and then they reenact them on a screen and yeah. it was Leslie Mann like, yeah, this is cool. We've had these fights and they're funny now. I, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. I've had these fights, but I had them like a year after I was married. Once like the honeymoon phase is over, they've got kids that are like 12, 13, 10. Like they would have already been through the whole, Hey, Whoa, you fart openly. And like the whole, like, like a lot of these circumstances for me would have already been swept under the rug and they'd be comfortable, like say like farting in bed or like, Oh, I have to watch you take a shit and all this stuff. So she doesn't get mad at him that she has to watch him take a shit. That was your that was your perception from the preview. I, the, in, also, in the, that would yeah. just never happen. Like like people don't just take a shit when their wife or spouse is in the bathroom. That that okay. You've happen. never That's met my what, father. Yeah, you're not. 
<laughs> yeah, I I grew up in a household with, with open shitting. Now I don't do that, I but in so my household, it was it, that people people do do that for one. And again, he's not doing that. She come and she she comes and opens the door on him. He's hiding, this, playing Scrabble. And that's what really hit home for me because I've been that guy in that relationship who fucking yes. goes in the bathroom and strains out his colon, not because he's got a dick of shit, because he's got to sit there to fucking hide during the day to get right. away you need from a break. his partner. Right. That was very realistic to me. And, God, and I need she, a breather. Yeah, I want to play Scrabble or Words with Friends for forty minutes. And that was it was it was too realistic for me because then she comes in and she's like demanding to look at his shit because she doesn't believe him. <laughs> like that is that is like oh my god, what are you? It doesn't happen to you. That people like, rang like, true to like, me. Yeah, it rings true to me as well. People want proof that you took a shit. This could actually happen. No, no yes. one's ever no one's ever demanded proof that I was shitting, but okay. I have hid in the bathroom from partners before because I needed a fucking break and they have caught on before and we have fought. And when them. and if they walked in, would you be like, "What the fuck? Get out of here." Or would you be like, "Oh yeah, whatever. Just just chilling. So what's up?" I mean, I I have seldom have a screen, different get out of here to my partner. Very very uh, seldomly <laughs> I scream. Get out of partner. here. Get out of no, here! I mean, Paul I, Rudd like, clearly, I don't want you to watch this. But like, this is a very personal episode here. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, it really is. Yeah. Uh, Pete, though, is a, he makes it clear he's a very timid. He's afraid of as the show and the movie unfold of these terrified, irra- irrational, illogical reactions. So that's why he doesn't push back because he's already living in terror, which shows mm-hmm. that these two people don't belong together. Most likely they really don't because when they get into the big fights towards the later part of the movie and they say, if we hadn't had a kids, they don't like think we'd other. be together. Right. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> you don't, right. and don't tell me, don't tell me that people get married for children and hate each other because that happens all the fucking time. All yeah. the time. We know Stay together for the kids is a cliche. Seen it happen a million times. So yes. while, I, while I'm very happy to hear that none of this seems to ring true for you, it says great things about your life and your marriage. It does. Um, yeah. for, for me, like there are multiple relationships. There's a lot in this movie that, that um, reverberated for me. Too much. <laughs> I love it. And that's, and that's partly what makes the film kind of hard to watch. Like, I mean, like, the, it's like film is supposed to be escape. In, in, in a lot of ways, you know, it can be a reflection of life as well, which this is clearly more leaning towards. But sometimes it's uh, it's kind of excruciating scenes. Like I'm like, I'm like I feel like I'm in a fight right now. <laughs> Would you ever um, try to have your intimate partner check your asshole for hemorrhoids? I mean, if it came to if it was that desperate, I'd, I'd hate to do it, but. Uh... This is a really funny shot with fucking. Paul. I mean, I can, I can only think of like how many people were really like sexually thrilled at this scene in, in ways that weren't intended because it's just like him full like spread cheeky. But um, it is Payback pretty funny. Time, um, as he says. It's I've never, yeah, it's I've never demanded funny. anybody inspect my anus before, but I, I. But yeah, I mean, I've like I've definitely was I've been sick around my partner and stuff, and like you know had to clean up their st- sickness and that kind of stuff. It happens, you know. Does this feel like like a movie to you? Like it felt like like a few episodes of like a show to me. If I'm being honest with you guys, mm. the structure is very, very, very odd. It yeah, needed. I can see it, that. It needed 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, even carved out of it to feel more like a film. Because you're right. Cause, well, maybe not necessarily. Because I kind of, I, I, I kind of feel like this is sort of a hangout movie. Um, you're definitely just kind of like spending some time with these characters um, between, you know, in the time between their two birthdays, which are really close together. Um, so in some ways, like, I think the length is part of the point because you're supposed to get comfortable with them, but I don't know how necessary that is. 
things as far as like, I don't, like you're not, there's not, I don't know if there's like a huge message or anything that like you're going to walk away with from this film. Well, this movie's all over the place too. You got the two different work experiences, plots going on with Megan Fox and the other girl possibly stealing from the store. Charlene Yee. Pete, thank you. Pete's record company is failing. So you got two work plots outside of the family plot and then two parental plots. And it just built, there was a lot going on in this movie. There's a shitload going on. So to try to structure it, it probably wouldn't even work. And that's why it is the way it is. You're right, Travis. You just kind of pop in. You're part of this entire experience and you just got to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about the p depiction of Charlene Yee as an opiate uh, addict? I thought it was uh, very, like, it was comedic and silly. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's, it's, <laughs> it's strange. It's weird. It is weird, she's but meowing. she's also really funny, which is tough because she makes me laugh mm. at the same time. <laughs> Here, I got, a, I got another question for you guys. Is there a more hyper-sexualized person in film history other than maybe Marilyn Monroe? I was just going to say that. Besides, <laughs> Meg, besides Megan Fox. No, no. It's, nope. it's incredible. I can't, I, like this movie is like, it's almost appalling to watch. Like, just like, I'm almost like, 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 she's like, her tits are getting groped. She's being negged and falling for it. Like, but she she's, went she's with at, it too. At, yeah. No, I'm not. I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, not, I'm just saying, like, it's just, uh, it's, I mean, if there's a role like this in a movie, it seems like Megan Fox is the one playing it. I, Which, I like the Megan fact Fox. that, like, yeah, yeah. I like, I appreciate the fact that they just kind of said, like, hey, this girl's really, really hot. We're not going to try to like dumb her down or pretend that she's not. And I thought it was kind of refreshing. Like when the guy says, I'll just give you my Amex card and you could pick everything out. That, <laughs> Leanne laughed her ass off. And she's like, yep, that totally happens. I like the, uh, <laughs> they look like pedophiles when their husbands are checking her out. That <laughs> yeah. was really funny. Oh, and also I'm not even the world's biggest Stone, Stone Dipple Pilots fan, but when Jason Siegel and Chris O'Dowd are like, like going towards her <laughs> the in the water. Scene? And, and Vaseline kicks in. That's that was a really, really good use of Vaseline in the movie. Uh, the song, not the petroleum. I, I agree with you. Yeah, that, I get a lot. I had a lot of laughs with those two bozos. It made me laugh a lot. Oh, I, I really thought it was funny with Siegel and uh, what's his face, uh, Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd. I think in Thank any you, other movie that we watch, if you got a scene where like some guy is talking about how he has a boner for somebody's wife we're going to be like oh fucking toxic masculinity fuck this guy he's horrible but here we can just laugh at it no i, I don't laugh at it i fucking hated jason siegel's character in this movie i've never hated jason siegel's character in any movie i fucking right. hated him in this movie all right good. It, it didn't make any sense to me that he's successful in his negging it didn't make any sense to me that he still has a relationship with uh, Leslie Mann's character, like whatever, eight years or something, yeah. whatever, five years, uh, like when very clearly he wants to fuck her and it's like been plainly obvious since day one. Like the whole thing, I just find like they're just, he's just kind of shoehorned in there because like he's from yeah. Knocked Up and they wanted him to be in the yeah, film absolutely. and they thought it was funny. But as a character, he doesn't make a, a drop of sense and the movie would have been stronger without him in it, which is something I would never ever say about Jason Siegel. Yeah, I mean, ever. I love Jason Siegel, but right. But did anything film. date this movie more than Lena Dunham being in it? What happened to her? I was like, oh my god, remember when she was on top of the world? She it was, was in very. It? Who was she yeah. in? It? She was, yeah, she worked at. Uh, oh, she's Chris O'Dowd. She works at the record company. That's yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. she was doing Girls at this time. Girls was one of the biggest shows on HBO on television at the time. Yeah. Now nine years later, I, 
I'm not trying to be mean. I just don't know what yeah. she does now. She's falling. It off. feels the film feels dated to me for 2012. I mean, the whole keep the camera rolling, just riff. Hey, like, how would you kill me? I'd kill you this way. And like two more minutes goes by. That feels very like 2004, 2005. So it felt dated even for 2012. Well, that scene felt more um, just kind of like I've seen that in other films and TV yeah. shows before. But I thought it was interesting when he, when uh, Pete and Robert Schmeagel's character are like just cheerfully discussing like the coma scenarios and how their wives might die and stuff. <laughs> I'm like you guys fucking hate their wives. And I, and again, I've talked to those guys. Uh, you know, there are there are guys like that who are married forever and they fucking hate their wives. Yes, that is not. Not healthy. I mean, I wish we had other people who could chime in and tell us and verify this. It's very, very... There's a lot of this movie that is quite typical, and that's why I think some yeah. of the criticism said, this sucks, I don't want to experience this in any way. You got screaming kids, uh, you got kids... But they also did... I'll give them credit for this. This is a period of time where the online world is very, very much a part of the social daily atmosphere of being a child, and I thought they included that in a mm -hmm. reasonable way that was yeah. done where it wasn't like too heavy handed, but it was also like, Hey, you know, the kids are real. I always thought that she was too, too good online. Like, Hey, look at me. I'm, I'm above all this. And I'm acting with such class online at 14, 13 years old. I, I almost thought maybe in a way it was gone too well, that a kid would be that yeah. above everything. But it was, <laughs> I was like, it's kind of refreshing to see that too. Like, Hey, not every kid has to be a total dick to everybody online. <laughs> Do you hate your spouse? Email the show and we'll identify you and read your email on the air. Um, one of my, one of my, uh, I'm trying really hard not to just be clearly, I don't like the picture, but I'm really trying what? as a, as like the type of critic I am, a podcast critic, to just not be like I've been in the past, just rude and like perfunctory. But like one of my issues with the film mostly is that we have Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann starring. We've, they're both like gorgeous people. So, and, and they've got all this money, like they're doing well, regardless of like this burgeoning financial <laughs> crisis. Like, uh, like so, yep. so if the movie's about being middle-aged for me, look at me, I'm, I'm halfway through my weight loss goal. I need someone that's like, like Jack Black, that's past their prime, that, that does have uh, an issue with how they look and does right. have a real issue. That's not living in fucking Brentwood and all your kids have iPads and iPhones and everything else. What's the problem here? It's extremely frustrating. And they go on a fucking, I'm sorry. I fucking go on a vacation to like Laguna beach room service, the whole schmear. And then they're like, Oh shit, we're, we don't have any money. Why the fuck did you go on a vacation? Spending all that money on a guitar cake, I guess. You just hit on the yeah, you hit on the point of the movie for me here. This is like the big point. I agree. Go ahead, Travis, and I'll go after you. I totally forgot what I was gonna say. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we were watching it, and when Paul Rudd cries in his fucking BMW, listening to the Graham Parker album that he loves. BMW. Leanne said to me, he's crying in a BMW. Their house is gigantic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, oh. oh, my God, you're right. Yeah, this yeah. is so ridiculous. There's nothing at stake here that is really that hardcore in terms of losing the house or going broke. They Dude. have a money manager that they pay to manage the money. He can afford to loan 80 grand to his father and his wife doesn't grand. even fucking notice. Doesn't even notice. It doesn't End affect the their bottom line. Yeah, I have no uh, sympathy for their financial world. Yeah, um, but I have even less sympathy for um, for Leslie Mann. I, I keep on forgetting the character's name, but Leslie Mann's character and her obsession with her husband who works out every day is a biker, has the body of a fucking like a surfer. Yeah, yeah, like he has a perfect body and you're going to scream on him, at him on his birthday to not eat a fucking cupcake? The man has to like hide over dumpsters to eat 
cupcakes. <laughs> it's bizarre. That. Like it doesn't make oh, any sense God. to be like right. this. Like if you're going to have that be part of the character, like you need someone who's a little squishy around the edges or it's, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. They push that through the whole movie of which this is something that people do. They definitely argue about. We shouldn't be eating like this. We got to be living healthier. Very, very common. And he's pounded cupcakes and he looks like a sexy beast. And And so is she there. What is the issue? I think only because they, I think that she smokes, they, they borrowed Ooh. the characters from this is 40. If they would have had brand new characters and we could have got like Giamatti in here or somebody, this whole thing would have made more <laughs> sense. Set them in like Pennsylvania and not fucking Brentwood. And Bar- I just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't here, ring true at all to a lot of people. It does not. I got another one for you. Is there a harsher line in film than I'm glad your husband's dead because you're an asshole? Yeah, that <laughs> Melissa McCarthy goes all the way on Joan. <laughs> Jill, scene, that scene is almost like it's excruciating. Like it was like it wasn't even funny. I'm like, oh my god! But at the end of the version I watched, there's outtakes of that exact scene. Her saying that stuff, and they're laughing. I, I don't. That's want exactly outtakes. what during the credits. That is exactly what the outtakes were in the oh, bloopers. Like, oh, your husband's dead. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't crack a laugh at that one. I was just like, "This is." I mean, maybe my sense of humor isn't what it used to be, but like, I mean, I laughed at the fart when 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 they're watching Megan Fox fucking and and then uh, and then he farts uh, like <laughs> unscripted uh, farts yeah. apparently too. By the way, that's probably Real why it was farts funny. too. There's a, there is authenticity behind that movement of gas, but authentic, uh, yes, I like impressive. a good authentic fart. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. what about we don't like child actors on this show as we've expressed clearly so I actually had a pretty hearty laugh when Debbie goes to town on the, chi- the Tom Petty looking kid Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I kind of got a laugh out of that one It was you don't see that in movies very often and it made me laugh um, one of the funniest moments for me personally was um, the scene where Maud Apatow's character i'm blanking on the names again but she she finishes lost and then like has to go to a party and she's all like spaced i remember like i I remember i was throwing a party once like and and, like after you know watching uh six feet under like in real time as the episodes were being released like it was all new to me um i was watching i was keeping up with it but i got a little bit behind with the last season so i like rented it so i literally watched the last episode of six feet under and then threw a big party and just walked around the whole day the whole party just being like fucking dazed and like what is life about man like why do we even know (laughs) (laughs) it got to you man yeah Yeah, maybe think of that and she's even younger it probably hits even harder oh yeah i've never watched lost but it seemed yes i could totally relate to that i want to give credit to the but to the two dads so john lithgow and albert brooks yeah Mm -hmm. Any commentary on these? Because I love both of their roles, and I thought they did a really good job in their minimal screen time. I really, I like, I like both of them. They, they were my favorite part of the film for sure, easily. I particularly liked Oliver, um, kind of cracking his shell as the movie wears on when he doesn't leave when he says he's going to leave, and then he instead turns around and starts helping clean up and stuff. And then he kind of breaks and like admits that his life is so imperfect and all that stuff. I I love John Lithgow and always have, yeah. but uh, yeah, this is a, this is a nice small role for him. Yeah, a very low key role for a guy that's supposed to be introverted. And then he kind of breaks through all that. And I dug that. And, he's, and then he starts to say, I do better when I'm not in people's lives. I <laughs> love that line. Well, I, wonder, to that. I wonder if Albert Brooks, a very, very accomplished, brilliant writer, I wonder if he maybe had a large part in writing his own character because 
that is one of the big things I did enjoy about the film was he definitely did. Dude. You hear scenes. some of those lines he says, yeah. especially about the Jew stuff. I don't know. It was just so <laughs> yeah. about waking up <laughs> a rabbi. That was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah funny. <laughs> It'll be 50 and look like a rabbi. It was great. But the, a lot of the, you know, the stuff he says about having kids and how he def- didn't want to have them. We were so unlucky. That's so him. That is so yeah. Albert Brooks, the way he not just the way he says it, just the line. Now I've got very three beautiful children. <laughs> I, I did line think up that, for murder. Time for murder. <laughs> I did think that the uh, interactions between him and Leslie Mann were were really golden. I think that, that was some of the highest points of the film, like their interactions, because she so clearly dislikes him, but has to like kind of tolerate him, and like he's aware that she doesn't like him, but but he's trying to be civil. Uh, I thought I thought that stuff was pretty funny. Um, yep. Yeah. The whole like by 2012, like for me, the whole like man child thing is. is Again, it just seemed very dated. Like, I've seen movies that deal with like middle age, uh, like The Big Chill and that sort of stuff. But these movies where these these grown men just keep acting like these children, they they're starting to bother me, man. That's why this was kind of a tough watch for me. I just don't see people acting this infantile uh, in in real life, especially if you're going to try to make this seem like oh, it's, it's there's real here, then it gets really dumb. The balance was off for me. It was too stupid that when it tried to get a little heady and more emotional. I was just like, too late. Too many fart and dick jokes. What's the... uh, Go ahead, Mike. No, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think it was that bad, but whatever. No, I mean, I, oh. I, I didn't. I mean, I, it's low. It's keyed down for an Apatow film, so I mean, like, it actually was. It very much was, right. and there was like no weed jokes in this movie, which is shocking. <laughs> not, not a single one, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think um, it, was. it is shocking. Uh, what's the coolest T-shirt that that uh, Paul Rudd wears in this movie? <laughs> is it Bob Mold? Yeah, it's gotta be Bob. Bob Mold's even more obscure, I would think, slightly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that has to take the cake. Uh, I will. I did say one of the funniest lines of the movie is about the neon sign inside the, the, yeah, the store. Funny. is fucking hilarious. We know we work at a record store or a record deal or whatever. A record company. Christ, I can't talk. I don't. Chris O'Dodd's character super grading though. Like, um, like, like, I'm, most things. I'm just like, this is your boss. Quit talking to your boss like this. And then He's also one hundred and one. Yeah. And then also much of the movie, like, all, not just in his work, but like at her work. And then, like at her interactions with Bodies by Jason, like everybody's professional, uh, like re- like relationships are defined by talking about sex. Like this is weird. Like everybody just frankly and openly talking about their vagina. Like this is just like, apparently this is how the world works. I missed this memo. And I'm no like I don't know anything about women, but do women just like openly like want to like touch other women's boobs, like because they're curious about? Like, I've seen what, a lot of that in my life. That actually. happens. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's happened, definitely. Yeah, it's happened. I don't know. Women are curious about other women's breasts. Not everything that happens in film has to be, uh, you know, documented. Yeah, well, I feel like you guys are saying this a lot. Like, wait, is this real? Is this real? First off, this doesn't have to be real. So it doesn't have to be indicative of anybody. It's their insights and their call. So I don't give a fuck if it's indicative of overall society and overall parenting and overall family life. I do care if it's funny, interesting, and I guess somewhat topical or, you know, not like totally off base, I guess. And enough of this movie rings true. Like, and some of it was ringing yeah. way too true. So I'm, I'm cool with that. I am. I think that, I think yeah. there's a lot, of, a lot of truth in this film. I, I do. I, I think that some of the truth 
is not the most fun to be a part of, exactly. but, but, but there is, uh, I think that there is a lot of truth in this movie. I mean, sometimes, you know, it doesn't quite work, but I, I, I do think that, that, that there is, this is a pretty truthful film. Sure. And Wyatt Russell shows up. They get a dance oh, yeah. scene in. They, yeah, I did go. like that scene. Yeah. I like Wyatt Russell. Yeah. Wyatt Russell pops in. Um, who else pops in? Anyone else? Billy Joe Some... Armstrong. Oh yeah. Billy yeah, Joe Billy Armstrong. Joe. And Ryan Adams popping in. That's unexpected. Oh yeah. That uh, one doesn't look so great now. Unfortunately. Yeah, didn't, so, didn't, oh, didn't pan out well for the end of the film. Yeah. But, they didn't uh, think that one through or they just didn't know him. So anyway, they that's why this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they may not have been aware of his checkered past. No, nobody um, was. Let's be honest. He was yeah. still very popular back then. Um, if a woman walks up to you with one titty out and says, hey, <laughs> want to be late? What does that mean? Does anyone have any idea? I'm <laughs> no. I have no idea. Couldn't figure it out either. Just like Paul Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was also really or... stressed out at the time. Right. He's like, I don't want to. You want to argue with me? I was like, no, dude. Like, obviously, like, what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> If I was really stressed out at the time, the one thing I'd want to do is have sex, probably. I, I did think that, show, that the movie did a decent job of making them both the asshole on a pretty regular basis. They're both yes, wrong. That's a good point. Sometimes, that's a really good point. You know, um, yeah. The biggest wrong of the movie, though, is is thinking that cutting dairy is going to end your daughter's earache, earache infection. <laughs> like, well, the, the fruits? The fruits? The fruits? The fruits? Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't know. Making fun of someone's accent isn't super hilarious to me, but, um, but only fruits. They didn't. Yeah, I, I know. There was an interesting borderline because it was only the word fruits. Yeah. And I, and I did like the doctor is like, oh, like he picks up on it. It's like, are you sick? Do you need to get up on like? He's, yeah. He up on oh, get up but, on the table. Get up on the table. <laughs> but like doctor, I use I use loosely. Obviously, the the, the daughter needed antibiotics. And, I, and like, I don't know, maybe my sense of humor about um doctors during the pandemic isn't what it used to be but like i'm like oh. no this give me like you know give your like don't normalize this hollywood bullshit <laughs> give your child fucking antibiotics <laughs> okay stand up for the children travis we're proud of you yeah, yeah yeah stand up for the for the kids it's all about the kids i think that's it we've covered this guys right I feel like we've pretty much uh, covered it. What do you think, Eric? Did we? Is there anything you wanted to get to that we didn't get to? Anything else you want to shit on? <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of the. I mean, it's one of those movies where, it rate like two minutes, like thirty seconds in, I knew it wasn't for me. If you like the film, <laughs> wow, I'm I'm glad. All right, but I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, let's go ahead. Well, and you just saw that, the like, reviews. It's fifty fifty. People don't like this yeah. film. On at least half the country doesn't. So. Well, I can so, dig a movie. We've talked about this many times before. I can dig a movie where, like, you don't really terrifically like or agree with anything the main characters do. Like, we got these bickering, affluent brats here for two and a half fucking hours. So it was hard for me to, to connect. Uh, really hard. Well, do you think it holds up? Oh, dude. Um, Might as well go first. Dude, I, I <laughs> for me, this is cloyingly obnoxious self-indulgent self-indulgent chore of a movie and it exemplifies this infantile self-centered narcissistic man-child adult shit i keep seeing in these movies that i'm just tired of and that's why i'm not the biggest apatow fan like huge vanity project for him in my opinion and i i honestly with 70 like seven episodes in i've never wanted to turn a movie off so bad in the show's history. I fucking hated the film, man, but I'm glad if, if you liked it. I honestly am. What, what, um, what, I mean, like, 
man child i mean is he like is that is he i mean maybe maybe i'm some sort of like infantile fucking fool but like i, I don't find him to be super man child he's successful just, he, yeah i don't get that either i agree well yeah they're they're their careers like they have jobs but like when when they like when they act stu- when they do the shit with like when you got your legs up and you're like check out my asshole you know like, the two of us like, i mean we're not showing off our assholes but i mean like like I mean, I, I mean, you know, plenty of people in their forties. We all make stupid jokes, we, like we did when we were. I teenagers. guess it's diff- I guess it's different when I'm uh, when I'm watching a movie. It's just hard for me to like. I I don't know what it is, man. I'm just used to. Maybe it's because I'm watching so many like old films, and I like. It's hard for me. like. There's such a difference between the way movies used to be and how they are now, where all the adults just act like children. It just it gets on my nerves sometimes. I think adults do act like children. I'm talking about movie. I'm talking about movies, though. So when I see all these adults just acting like, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, if they're, I'm like, what the if they are, if they're reflective of the the period. Yeah. But like, I think Hitchcock said, if you got to pay for the babysitter and go out, get dressed, buy the ticket, like you want to be entertained. Uh, you don't want to see what your life is like at home. You know, he also like, said, you know, seventy years ago. Well, yeah, he also said she'll never work in this town again because she won't fuck me. He did say that. Yeah. <laughs> he did say that. Every time, right. see, this is what happens. You try to quote people in Hollywood. Be very, very careful. Be careful. Be careful. I'll go next. Uh, by the way, a uh, special shout out to Tom Felton. We hope you get well. Apparently, collapsed at the golf course today. Who played uh, the uh, young Draco? Malfoy? Oh, sure. Draco Malfoy in the uh, Harry Potter series. Uh, hopefully, he's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah for sure. To him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really felt heartfelt, guys. Uh, he's never gonna hear this, so it's like we don't know him personally. So. You're right. We don't I, know. Him I, I genuinely hope he's okay. I just I got do. an email from him. He said, "I hate Thanks, being married. I wish my wife would die." <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, yeah, this is forty. Is uh, apparently not as well received. I, I've always liked this movie, and I like the banter. Some reason I like being in this, but I guess I'm a sick fuck. I like <laughs> like this kind of shit, you know. I I am willing to watch movies where people are uncomfortable, and they make me uncomfortable. I like that. I do enjoy that, and that's just the world I'm always going to be a part of. So, this is forty. Clearly has its issues, which you guys all laid out. We covered in this film the fact that they are so wealthy and they're still bitching is just probably it is to me like the most farcical, out of touch part of this movie, without a doubt. And that's saying something, I think. But uh, I like watching it, and I actually think it has a lot of authenticity, even though it's not fun. <laughs> the authenticity's there, and uh, I think it holds up in what the movie was trying to accomplish, which was to try to express this chaos of family life from all angles without having a proper structure to it. So I think if... If that was the intent and, you know, vanity project, ego-driven stuff, that is Hollywood 101 anyways. That's There's probably a lot of movies we don't even realize are just massive vanity, ego-driven projects. So Nothing by Christopher Nolan, that's for sure. No, 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 <laughs> no. So uh, I gotta say this movie holds up. I do. So, Travis, it's up to you to break the tie. All right. I woke up this morning in just a winning mood. I just woke up just with that extra bounce in my step. I felt good about life. I was, I was like, you know, I mean, I wake up in a fairly good mood often, but I was in a particularly good mood today. And I was kind of wondering, like, what was so different? Why was I just so cheery today? And I think that part <laughs> of the reasons why I really love my life. I love being single. I love having no one else in my home but my dogs. 
And this movie was another reminder of how perfectly wonderful my life is. Because it was a window into a life I don't fucking want. And um, it's uncomfortable to spend time with this film. It's a little lengthy. They needed to chop off some of it. There is a lot of good humor here. It's always fun to watch Paul Rudd. I mean, I fucking love Paul Rudd. Um, but it is weird to watch um, Jason Siegel and be like, Ugh, get off the screen because I fucking love him too. It just, just doesn't work in this movie. Um, so for me, does it hold up generally means is it worth revisiting? And I don't think this is worth revisiting. I'm going to say it doesn't hold up. Ooh, okay. There's, there, there's value here. There's value here. It's worth catching the first time, but I don't, I don't think that it's worth, like if, if you haven't seen it in many years, I, I don't think you're going to, like you're not missing anything. I don't need to go back. Here's another perspective. So, friend of the happy, yeah. our birthday boy says I fucking love being married, and that makes me tremendously happy for him and anyone else who's happy in that institution. Because I, genu- I genuinely want you to be happy if you're married. Do you I don't, believe him? I don't. I do believe him. I know him. Okay. So, and I know his wife. So I, I 100% believe him. But <laughs> I, but like just on a personal level, it's clearly not for me. And that movie reminded me again of that. I think you could be in relationships that are just as bad without being married too. Uh, but that's, that's, these, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I, I've been, I've never been married, but like I have had, yeah, neither have I, neither one of us were, have been married for the And record. they were uh, similar to that in a lot of ways. And check this one out. <laughs> <laughs> Steve says, shut married. up and get married. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't fucking make Travis. me. You can't fucking make me. You know, you look at uh, at Apatow, what he's done in his career, like real quickly, you, you, you know, really blew up with the 40-year-old version. To me, is a classic. I love that movie. Even, but it can be very, as Eric said, uh, man-childish, but that's fine. I don't care. Knocked Up's the same. Huh. It's got a nice balance. Funny People was really long. Some people hate funny people. I yeah. love funny people. It's long as hell like this movie. There's a lot the, of similarities. Take out that Eric Bana 40-minute excursion and you got yourself a movie. <laughs> oh, man, that's the best part. Come on. Yeah, oh, no, and then, no, no, you know, no. but he's done a lot. I don't know what his career is going to look like in another 10 years or so, but it's starting to kind of take shape because he's getting older. And he did The King of Staten Island, which we kind of said was so-so, right? I, it wasn't. I well, that was direction-wise, it was some of the best direction he's done, and it was a decent script, but, man, Pete Davidson, I just I just yes. don't care for him. I just don't think... That's that true. Can, That's what we... Yeah, I agree with that. Bill, yeah. Bill, Bark, Bill Burr came in and killed it, and Marissa yeah. Tomei came in and killed it, and then you got this fucking... And then, and then the woman that played his fiance killed it, whose name I, is escaping me, but, man, Davidson, no thank you. Yeah, part of me yeah. just kind of wishes that, that This Is 40, like, wasn't a comedy and just was more of of a drama i see what it's going for man like uh, it, it didn't make enough of a statement it didn't have any insight into marriage for me personally the the spouses they didn't like for me like i've been married for 13 years and my spouse com- compliments me like she doesn't tell me to not drink anymore and give up alcohol she says you don't need alcohol in order to feel happy and get out of a depression. It's stuff like that. It's conversations like that I could have used from this film, but I don't get. I just get a lot of fucking dick jokes and shit. A lot of fucking weed naps. No doubt about it. I understand what you mean there. I give credit for Apatow. He's done a lot of projects that he's produced that have helped other people get more exposure too. So he is an important figure in terms of the creation and uh, exponential growth of kind of indie type film slash TV movie making. I like that. I like that. 
Yeah, and and, and I, I do respect his. Uh, I, I I agree that his comedy can be a little much sometimes for the dick and fart jokes. But his stand up was god awful. That stand up talk about ego driven. Oh, oh he yeah. made his comeback. It was hail this his return it. to the stage for the first time in like fifteen years. It was a Netflix special. God, it was so bad. Oh, that was Jesus. bad. It was the be- worst thing he's done, hands down. Well, well, that's well, uh, that. That was forty. Yeah, that was forty. Shit, we're forty-one now. We're it's in the mirror. Yeah. Oh, no more yeah. forty for us. Oh yeah, here it is. Right. Verification of that. It was terrible. Thank you, Steve, for verifying that. So. What is she doing awake during her colonoscopy? What's that about? Yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, uh, when I go in for my colonoscopy, I'm not going to be able to like make I, jokes like I, that, am I? No. I had one when no. I was 22, and I was wide awake. I was watching the monitor, watching everything happen. Oh, so, wow. yeah, that's a. I guess the Travis. It's Travis. We're very unhealthy, you and I. We have to be put under. That's what it is. Well, at least I got to meet Keanu Reeves when it happened. What a story. What a dream. What a time to be alive. That was fantastic. <laughs> what a time to be alive. Well, mine was actually performed still by Keanu Reeves. Yeah. So I, I, oh, I, wow. I, Keanu Reeves is the doctor, and something's <laughs> got to give. He played a convincing doctor, I'm going to say. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. <laughs> Been a while since we brought up Diane. Diane Been a while. <laughs> All right. So uh, next week, we're having Brian Seymour on. Like we said, our guest was one week later than we would like it to be, but that's okay. We can do whatever we want. It's our show. So next week, Brian will be on, and I swear, I had nothing to do with this. I had nothing to do with this selection. Oh, boy. You can ask him. I can show you the screenshots of the conversations. (laughs) Okay. Next week, we are doing 2005 film, The Squid and the Whale. Okay. I did not. Have anything well, to do with this? I swear. Oh, bullshit, Mike. Come on. I seen you, I'm going to show you the screenshots. He's the one who told me it's my favorite movie, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love you!" Oh, just we're doing his favorite me. movie. We're doing. Well, yeah. I don't know if it's his favorite movie. Up. Always makes me very nervous when people bring on their favorite movie. I'm like, "Oh god, you're going to be nice to it now." Maybe he didn't <laughs> say that. I don't know. I'll slow my roll on that one. Yeah. So. Keep your shirt on. We'll see what happens. He wanted to talk about it. That much I do know. So yeah, we're gonna see. Oh, I saw him in the video yesterday. He was wearing a hoodie because it's cold out now. He was wearing a hoodie yesterday. It's fucking beautiful. It's It's, I was gonna say, Travis, this weather. I think that's really what I woke up happy about. Like it was sixty degrees in my house when I woke up this morning. Like this is fucking great. I had all the windows (laughs) open. It was cold breeze blowing through. Oh yeah. Put on my hoodie. I look good in this hoodie. It's great. Volunteer. Yeah, I put a cardigan on today. Fantastic. The squid and the whale, Mike. Bomb back. Right. We are going bomb back to <laughs> back to bomb back. I mean, there's no yeah. way back. <laughs> Let's go back to bomb back. <laughs> there's no way in hell that I'm gonna say this movie doesn't hold up. So there's no secrets in denying <laughs> it. So. But I will enjoy talking about it. So much to break sure. down next week. We'll do it with Brian Seymour. He is the host of the what this song means to me podcast. Check that out. Yeah. It's got a really good storytelling vibe. I've heard people complain that there's. They're sick of true crime, and all it is is like storytelling is all about true crime podcasts, but this is a different type of storytelling. So if you're kind of sick of true crime and you still want storytelling, check out what the song means to me. It's a great podcast for storytelling. I love the podcast. I've listened to all the episodes. It's something you don't hear a lot. It's not not particularly moderated. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's just freeform dialogue, or what do you want to call it? Soliloquy, whatever you want to call it. It's... yeah, it's really engaging. And you can hear Cinema 9's own Mike Govia on there. So that's fine. And you will hear Travis Roy's Cinema 9's own Travis Roy at some point soon. I Sometime. I thought your episode was out already. So I I, I recorded it months ago. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? He, I know he was stockpiling, so it's nothing personal. Hell yeah, man. I do know that. So 
Quit in the way. Pissed. <laughs> That's fucking pissed. All right. Thanks, everybody. Cinema iPod at ProTemail.com. Follow us. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Blah, blah, blah. If you care, if you don't, sub the YouTube channel. We have, like, no subs. We could always have more subs. If we get to 100, we could rename it with our own custom URL. So if we ever cool. got there... Awesome. Yeah, you know, yeah. Subscribe. That's all we really actually. Have. All three of our followers on social media combined. If you all just took ten seconds to hit the sub button on the Cinema Nine Pod all YouTube right. channel, that's all That'd you have to awesome. do. Take ten seconds. It would. We could change the world in ten minutes. Do it. You give us ten <laughs> minutes. We'll Please. give you the world. All we'll right. We'll catch you guys next time. Uh, hopefully, uh, you guys enjoy your lives. Thanks for looking at our hemorrhoids. We'll catch you later. Enjoy your life. <laughs> Bye.